Hello and welcome to Jaffa Cakes of Proust Presents Tilter Ice's 12 Months of Christmas. You know, I've noticed one thing, my friend Andrew Hickey over at A History of Rock Music in 500 Songs, he's getting a lot of praise for starting his shows way, way, way away from uh, the actual topic and then working his way in. So I thought, you know, I might try something similar. Okay, so <clears throat> in 1051... The Earl Swain Godwinson and all his sons were exiled from England following a dispute with King Edward, known to history as the Confessor. For Swain, the sentence was one of exile for life, leaving his brother Harold as the heir apparent. My guest is Tanya Jones. I need to work that one, don't I? It's just not a bit... <laughs> not quite tied it up there, but, uh, you know, it's the first go. Hello, Tanya. Hello, Tilt. So, what's your history then with uh, this story? What I found really interesting about Mickey's Christmas Power, actually, is I looked at the year it was made and I thought, oh, hang on a minute. So when I was watching it, this was new. This is 1983. And in 1983, I was about five years old. This is definitely a childhood film for me. I've got lots of sort of fond memories of watching it more than once, I'm sure. So that confused me slightly. It's quite an old story in terms of modern society. It's not really old, but it's quite old. And so I've got this idea that because it's Disney, that somehow it was older than it was, which is, it just goes to show how long Disney films have been in production, I guess. This is an interesting period for Disney. They still have their mystique, I think. Disney is like the Rolls Royce of a certain kind of family entertainment but they haven't really knocked it out of the park for quite some time. No, and uh, I'd say I, I quite enjoyed spotting all the characters they've reused from Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I did notice Friar Tuck at uh, Fezzy Wicks. <laughs> There's loads of them. They keep popping up. Robin Hood is all reused, isn't it? Well, oh yeah, all the rotoscoping, yeah, that's all reused. Uh, and then you just get characters where you go, oh, well, I recognise them. Because I watched Robin Hood endlessly. I would say people born around my time, because I've seen it online, lots of people going, oh my God, wasn't Robin Hood amazing? I thought, we all watched it. We all watched it constantly. So I guess that there must have been either been a VHS release or maybe it was broadcast and, you know, a parent taped it off the telly and then just entertained us for over and over again. And of course you had... Disney time on BBC One. Yes, of course. So they might have lent very heavily on that. Oh, they must have done, yeah. But I can't imagine I would have missed Disney time. I was cartoon crazy, so yeah. No, it's interesting. I have a memory of seeing this at the cinema, but apparently in the UK it was with a re-release of Jungle Book, and I've never seen Jungle Book all the way through. Is there some other showing that I'm unaware of or... Is it just a false memory? It's interesting, isn't it? It's trying to trace back things from childhood, but you just made assumptions and it just goes to show how unreliable memories are. But this production is older than itself in that the general basis of it was a record, 1974. I think it was called An Adaptation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And it's Alan Young uh, in his first appearance as Scrooge McDuck. Now, that's a thing. I, you know, you think Alan Young is Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge McDuck must always have been Alan Young. 
because Scrooge McDuck's from the... Actually, you know what? I should have asked Tyler because he's a big fan of the Donald Duck comics. Oh, uh, him and John should get together and talk because John loves Donald Duck as well. Particularly loves Donald Duck. The whole Donald Duck comic thing, rather, is, is fascinating in itself. The huge duck universe. Carl Barks, that was the name I was searching for. I don't know if that means that uh, that record is the first sort of time we ever hear Scrooge's voice. Uh, Alan Young also does Mickey Mouse on the record. Oh. And because you can tell, he's, Mickey's not quite right. He's like 80% there. Why is this called Mickey's Christmas Carol? Um, it's re- yeah, really good point, because he's not the star, is he? And I, I tried watching a making of. There was a making of video. It was on YouTube, but it was one of those of like, Disney a bit producing the magic that lights all of our lives. Uh, and it was saying, you know, this is the first Mickey Mouse theatrical cartoon. Oh, it's the first Mickey Mouse short-ish uh, for 30 years. And they make this big deal and Mickey's very, very marginal. Even to say that he's playing Cratchit, there's less Cratchit. Well, it's, it's just a kind of device for Scrooge to sort of get redemption, isn't it? Him, him and Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim gets short shrift. It's in this cartoon that Tiny Tim's death is implied, but we see no evidence that Tiny Tim's not. No, no, we don't. I'm sure we don't. No, there's the main action is around Scrooge's um, grave and portal to hell, apparently. <laughs> yes, yeah, the shades of the uh, 1970 Scrooge. Yeah, I think it's the portal to hell stuff, I think, that really struck me as, oh, I really do remember this stuff. Yeah, it's Disney scary in that it's slightly alarming, but nothing too troubling. But it's quite memorable. We're also in this, you know, I'm just thinking so far, yeah, so far Muppet's Christmas Carol, Rich Little's Christmas Carol and this are all about fitting pre-existing characters into the characters of A Christmas Carol. Goofy as Jacob Marley just seems like a real mistake. It's weird. Yeah, I agree with you. It's actually a bit weird because he's meant to be there as a warning and all you can think of is Goofy. Even though he's in chains and then they can't resist it, they've got to have him fall down the stairs with the chains. I think that's why it's not a particularly good way of saying to Scrooge, watch out and, you know, repent. I think they leave that with, it has to be the portal to hell that really makes him go, oh my God. Of course, there's Goofy and there's Goofy. On on the record, he really is sort of like the classical idiot Goofy. There was, of course, the sort of 1950s Goofy who was the man about town, a, a middle-class guy trying to uh, get his life together. He's not really that in this. He's just Goofy but turned down. Yeah, it's not much of a, a role in essence because they cut it right back anyway. You sort of Obviously, there's more about Marley in the book you get more of an idea of the effect that he had on Scrooge and how much Scrooge was influenced by him. They do that in uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. It's, of course, Jacob and Robert Marley. Stadler and Waldorf, it's like, those guys are laughing all the time. I don't know. What Disney character would actually fit in with somebody who's just full of regret and pain? Yeah, because they don't really sound up that way, do they? They can't use Donald, I suppose, because they've got Scrooge. They've used Donald as nephew Fred because Donald is Scrooge McDuck's nephew. 
people talk about Goofy. Goofy's a dog and Pluto's a dog. And it's like, well, the answer is it's pretty obvious that Goofy is uh, Canis Sapiens. That's like saying, well, Tarzan's a primate and Cheetah's a primate. Yeah, the, the different stages of evolution. But Scrooge and Donald are at the same level of evolution, I would say. But why does Donald sound more duck-like? Yeah, I like the way they kind of really just lean into it with the new DuckTales, or the most recent DuckTales. Oh, have they actually addressed this? They do. <laughs> Everyone else speaks normally. And then they make a joke about the fact that no one understands Donald. And he's just this, <laughs> just the weird uncle. <laughs> he sort of, you know, goes away, comes back, goes away, comes back, and brings up Hugh, Dewey and Louie in the absence of Della Duck, uh, which is a whole thing. But I won't spoil it for anyone. <laughs> yeah, now that is a thing, isn't it? Nephews and nieces for uh, characters. And the thing is, I think that's probably why you're able to have a successful duck universe and you can't have a successful dog universe because you've got Goofy and Pluto and neither of them really make any sense together if they're both meant to be dogs. So, yeah. Yes. Sorry, I was thinking it, about it, a Photoshop I once made uh, of um, Charlton Heston being uh, wrangled not by uh, not by sapient apes, but by okay, a pair of Goofies. <laughs> I've watched that. Yeah, I would say it's probably bad casting, really. I don't know quite what the rationale was behind it, but he's not the most effective Marley ever. It's quite nice to see him because he's goofy, and I'm never sad about seeing Goofy particularly. But yeah, it doesn't quite deliver any particular gravitas. It's just a sort of way of saying, oh, here's this guy. Again, it's part of the place Disney was at the time. I think if this had been made ten years later... They might have been more daring. They might have dug a bit further for characters they could have used. Yes, I, I think it's there. There are problems, or clear problems, around this time when you compare it to later Disney. I mean, Mickey must be at his most anodyne. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a bit of a nothing, isn't he? He just sort of turns up and goes. I found, I found Jiminy Cricket bugged me as well. <laughs> Sorry, no pun intended, but he, he irritated me. <laughs> yeah, there's no reason for Jiminy Cricket. I don't know why he's there. <laughs> Actually, no, cards on the table. I didn't enjoy this very much. <laughs> I liked the animation. There was just that bit where Scrooge's walk home was beautifully atmospheric and they'd actually bothered to put in like his footsteps. Disney's just a little bit more high church. They will go to that trouble. And this probably had more development time than a cartoon by a you know similar studio would have done. But the characters... Yeah, there's, no, there's not a lot there. The, it, I think the main reason why anyone remembers this, certainly the main reason why I remember it, is to do with the graveside scene and hell pulling Scrooge down... And it's just, yeah, it's the main message there. That's what they they do to stick to the story. But yeah, in terms of you know feeling very much for you know, for the Cratchit family, there's not a lot there. This this is this is raising something troubling for me because so so I mean right, Ebenezer Scrooge is bound for hell if he doesn't change and stop being a miser. Does does that mean that Scrooge McDuck 
is bound for hell because outside of the you know outside of this adaptation of a Christmas Carol, Scrooge McDuck, or, or you might know the character better. I think you do know the character better than I do. <laughs> um, but this, yeah, this is the thing. I think the only reason they save Scrooge McDuck, or the only thing that that saves Scrooge McDuck rather, is the fact that he's very close to his family, um, which this version of Scrooge isn't. At first, and this is you know, and this is what redeems him. He suddenly is nice to his nephew and everyone, you know, other Bob Cratchit and all of that. But I think uh, Scrooge as a character, a general character in the Disney universe, he's really, really into his family, and I guess that's partly to do with Ducktales, either either kind of version of Ducktales. What do you What do you think about this Rescue Rangers film they're making? Um. What I've seen, I went, oh. <laughs> okay, that's 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 not really all I needed to know. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I'm not seeing anything that appeals to me. Certainly um, not in the way that the remake of DuckTales really appealed to me. It was a, it was a great shame it was cancelled, really. Well, t- 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 you know, I'm just sort of faintly aware of DuckTales as being something that used to be on the Disney Channel that I never really paid any attention to. So sell sell me on DuckTales. Okay, well, DuckTales is the Duck Universe, set entirely in the Duck Universe. You have Scrooge McDuck and Donald and Huey, Dewey and Louie and other characters around them, but to the core is the family. I would, I mean, I would say you'll be fine watching the new DuckTales if you haven't watched the old one. It's not designed to be continuous. It's a totally different style of animation and there's a lot of jokes at the expense of people who are characters nowadays. So there's a, he's like a millionaire tech guy called, I think it's Mark Beeks, um, who's really annoying. Uh, and it's very funny. Kind of riffing off Elon Musk and a bit of Zuckerberg as well. And you get, so although the call's the family and Scrooge in his big mansion with all his, all his cash, but they go off and they, they have adventures. They literally have adventures. But yes, there's lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of contemporary jokes. In the new Ducktales, probably more than in the original. See, that's that's one of the things when you're saying about like, so you know, I, I saw the trailer for that Rescue Rangers thing, and it's like, oh, the knowingness is becoming. I, I'm complaining about. You see, I'm complaining here about Mickey's Christmas Carol being Disney, and it's just sort of like most. I mean, that the the giant uh, who is the ghost of Christmas present. Trying to say pistachio, and it's like a, it's it's in the shape of a joke, but he's saying it wrong in in a way that you'd have to actually try. It's it's a joke by somebody who knows what jokes are, you know, like 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 Snow White when Doc's trying to say apple dumplings, and it's like yeah, this this is this is a joke. That's written down to its audience. You're just going to think that children are going to go, "Oh, he's so silly," <sighs> or maybe I was just a joyless little boy. I... May, or maybe 
maybe, but I'd <laughs> I'd say I mean that the new Ducktales is it obviously has jokes about contemporary stuff in there and, and characters based on you know sort of I don't know folk demons really <laughs> I guess they've become these kind of figures, but quite a few jokes really are are quite adult. There's lots of things in there for the parents, I suppose. It's, it's interesting how they've updated Huey, Jerry and Louie to have concerns that are quite contemporary as well. I think it's Louie who's obsessed with making money. And I've got obsessed with being a businessman or finding or an entrepreneur, trying to find something that's going to make him money. Um, yeah, and Huey's the nerd. And Dewey is, yeah, he's quite sort of gregarious. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think. It's causing a scratching in my memory is when you get characters who've been around for a long time, but really with only one characteristic. And when you have to bring them back and it's like, we can't just let this slide anymore. Yeah. I, I mean, in terms of the boys working together to frustrate Donald, yeah, some of that still happens, but they they are are identifiable personalities in their own right. But it's, it sounds like you're saying that the the more adult jokes pay off in this. As I just keep pressing that raw nerve, that Rescue Rangers thing, it just felt like it's like, oh God, this is the post-Trek world we're in and we've been in for a long time. Yeah, it doesn't feel forced in DuckTales. Um, I think the problem is it probably feels forced with things like Rescue Rangers. It's not. It kind of arises from the relationships between the characters. Another problem I have with Mickey's Christmas Carol is that it's only half an hour long. (laughs) True. (laughs) It's not much there. And I'm blaming (laughs) you here. You picked it. (laughs) Yeah, well... There there um... there are longer versions. (laughs) I mean, is is this the only version you've really ever engaged with, or are you... Are you, are you like me who once watched, I think, 48 in one month? <laughs> I've never been um, that keen on Christmas Carol, I don't think. I know about it, and I and obviously you just like, you don't you know, get through childhood in this country without being aware of it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it feels like I've just never settled down and thought, oh, you know, I'll just watch this. And I don't know... I suppose perhaps it's part of my, you know, part of my ambivalent relationship with Christmas, I suppose. Oh, is is this anything that's worth opening up? Um, other people I know, I mean, everyone I know had the experience of waking up early on Christmas Day and running down for their presents, and I never woke up early, ever. My grandparents had to come and wake me up on Christmas morning. I was quite excited on Christmas Eve, but I never got, I never actually woke up going, Um, I was quite excited once I knew there were presents to open, but I think maybe quite a lot of it is to do with being an only child. I was an only child and we would celebrate Christmas at my nan's house, so I was surrounded by adults, and I think I was a, you know, fairly quiet child anyway, and there was nothing there to get me overexcited. I mean, possibly when it comes to my parents, maybe they did that deliberately because they didn't want to bother. Um, and who could blame them? But, uh, no, <laughs> so I never ever woke up early. Never. 
and I'm, I mean, I'm still the same. If I, you know, I've, I've worked quite a lot for it, you know, I've, I have a job where you can work on Christmas Day or, you, you know, one of you has to work on Christmas Day um, in the team. Uh, are, you, are you willing to say what that job is for our listeners or is... Yeah, I put, I put the telly on. I am responsible for putting the telly on <laughs> for people. I work on BBC One, BBC Two. Uh, and so I will be sitting there on Christmas Day in front of one of those channels, more than likely. I've, I've done it, you know, I've, I've done this uh, in front of a number of different channels, but, uh, yes, I think probably my favourite to sit in front of is either BBC One or BBC Two because it's, it feels a bit nicer, feels a bit more communal. So, I, I, but I never mind working Christmas because I, I don't have any kids myself. So I, it's not, I don't have to be, get excited for anyone. You know, I'm not a guardian, I'm not caring for them. I, I don't have any particular, uh, you know, I don't have a reason to visit a child over Christmas. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't get really excited. I like it. I like opening presents and having nice food and generally feeling, you know, like a warm, fuzzy feeling, but, I'm certainly not a Christmas hater. Uh, some people seem to really, really dislike it. Um, but I've always been slightly ambivalent. And so I suppose that that's led me to not really be bothered with the likes of Christmas Carol very much or, you know, any other kind of identifiable Christmassy film. Now, here's the thing. I'm an only child and I'm really into Christmas, even now. Um, I only really stopped waking up early when I got married. I am very susceptible to atmospheres, like you know, to just all the lights are off except the fairy lights. That's a com- is a completely different space from the living room that it once was. And and people say, oh, you know, once you've grown up, it's like, what, what, what do you mean once you've grown up? Christmas doesn't mean that you've. That people <laughs> might have heard me had this argument with Gary on. Said, well, hang on, th- there are still special shows on TV. Uh, there is there's special foods in the shops. It's definitely different. It's definitely got a ra- radically different vibe. I also think that uh, my parents had been married for about a decade before I was born, and so when 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 I was born, it's like oh, fantastic! We actually get to do all this that we thought we were never going to do. And my mother had been the same. Uh, my my grandmother didn't know she was pregnant until she went into labour. Oh, blimey. Yeah, she oh. thought she thought she was going through the change. <laughs> oh my goodness. Because <laughs> uh, she was she was she was about forty, see. And and in the nineteen forties people didn't have children at age forty. There was like a sudden all all the women in the family were suddenly called around to start knitting because there were no clothes for the baby. And my mum sort of had to sleep in a drawer the first couple of nights. History repeats itself. It's like, okay, right, well, I guess we're we're, we're a family now. Let's do this. <laughs> um, yes, I uh, I can understand, actually, why your grandma ended up in the position she was in. I mean, my grandmother had children quite late herself, but I do agree. It's, it's a relatively unusual thing to do. So, yeah, so, I mean, I imagine that you're like me, where your grandmother was born uh, in the very, quite the early bit of the 20th century, then. Uh, Yes, on one side in the early bit of the 20th century, on my dad's side, uh, the late part of the 19th. Oh. So, 
yeah, yeah, half my half my grandparents were born in the nineteenth century. Um, and being the child of older parents who were themselves the children of older parents, though my dad was part of a whole uh, family of siblings, you also end up with a very, very long frame of reference. Oh, yes, I would definitely agree with that one, because, yeah, that, that chimes in my experience as well, which is probably why I've ended up the way I am, which is, you know, burning on about the 60s to people who just look confused at me. <laughs> the 60s and the well, 50, I, yeah, I get people 50. looking funny at me because I say what did Horace say Winnie when somebody, somebody <laughs> mumbles something <laughs> and of course now I'm no longer even in the UK so it just everything that I say just sounds ridiculously outré <laughs> My, you see, you see, I, I, I have been inflicting this on other parts of the family so that I have a niece who is obsessed with farmhouse kitchen because she would she'd visit the house. She still does visit the house, and when she was particularly a little one, it's like let's play, uh, you know, cooking. Let's pretend to make some food. So I, I had a copy of the farmhouse kitchen cookbook. Uh, which I bought because it's got the Yorkshire Television Chevron on the back. So we pull out the farmhouse kitchen book, and she gradually became obsessed with that. And I, it's like I want to like sat her in front of a of an edition of Farmhouse Kitchen, and she was it took <laughs> ten minutes for her to get really sort of like bored of it. It's like that's that's quite a long time. The Revenge of YTV. <laughs> and and now she refuses to call fish sticks fish sticks. She says fish fingers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent! Work. Fortunately, well, she has yeah. you know she has siblings, so she's not going to grow up weird and alone in that weirdness. <laughs> oh, oh! Incidentally, talking of white TV, I did a couple of shifts a few years ago in the old YTV building. YTV Yorkshire, as it's called now. Um, and I did amuse myself by looking for the chevrons that were still there. I mean, obviously, you've got the flooring, which you've still got, I mean, as far as I know. I mean, that, hang on, this was 2014. I went, there were, there were still chevrons in the flooring. They hadn't touched those. Um, there was still someone, there was one on a sliding door. <laughs> Really interesting how how things survive and why they survive. <laughs> I guess they can't be bothered to pay to renew the flooring, so the chevrons are there and they they look very nice. I have been nice. told by somebody who knows that Dusty Bin is still in there. Oh my god! Well, I don't think I saw that. No, I, well, I remember if I saw Dusty Bin. Is, it, it is the archive in a separate building? Is it in the old trouser factory next door? Oh. Well, I'm not sure now. Because YTV, <laughs> YTV Studios, and there was like an old trouser factory <laughs> that I think they bought out because it was next door. Uh, well, um, by the way, I don't think we're ever coming back to Mickey's Christmas Carol, everybody, but that's that's fine. I, d I mean, yeah, this is partially a chat show, and versions of A Christmas Carol is just the starting point. So, um... Uh, the YTV drama Gazette, uh, which uh, was the beginning point of the character of Hadley, who span off, played by Joel Harper. 
Uh, it's it's a drama about a newspaper. It's a drama about a weekly newspaper, which I I don't entirely understand. It doesn't seem as thrilling as it could be. Anyway, uh, it's it's on DVD from Network, so there's you know there's extras, and they mentioned about how I think there was, some of it was shot in the. Or, or maybe the dressing rooms were in this old abandoned trouser factory and there were just buttons on the floor everywhere. Oh, well, <laughs> no, I didn't know. And I have a feeling that might now be the archive. Um, and as well as recordings of programmes, that is the final resting place of Dusty Bin. Well, okay, right. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have much of an excuse to go up there now because of... of working on the BBC side, but um, yeah, nice place. Nice, friendly people um, at YTV. Lovely canteen staff uh, in comparison to the canteen staff we have down in London. Well, they treated their canteen staff well uh, because a friend of mine, a friend of mine, I think it was her, maybe her mum was in the canteen and uh, I think they bought her a dinner service when she left or which for a moment, uh, it was almost the idea was maybe going around that this might be a YTV dinner service, but no, there's no such thing. Uh, but that friend did send me uh, a copy of the Yorkshire Television book about the first ten years, uh, and also the invitation to the tenth anniversary dinner, and a compliment slip that from Paul Fox. <laughs> it's basically like. What you're interested in this stuff? Yes, yeah, have this. Wow, what do I not just have it? Please, it's glad to have the space. I think this came about because I bought a pair of uh, YTV cufflinks. This all, this all very much seems from the kind of era of Selwyn and and <laughs> those dramas, <laughs> or well, sitcoms, I suppose, where they were just churning them out and having um, the old card end cards. Literally, I mean, there's one of them. Um, there's one Selwyn Froggart rewatched where it actually falls off the easel slightly. Yes, that does. <laughs> yeah, I've I've I seen something see where. Yeah, I've seen I've seen. I think it was a Granada end cap just grabbed off the easel, <laughs> and there's a blackboard underneath with a cross that's sort of like right. This is this is how you center the card. Yeah. Put it here. <laughs> Um, of course, uh, YTV made Duty Free, which was, I think, the number one sitcom in the UK at the time, because there's footage, there, there was a time when I think Thames went on strike in the 80s, and so certain things were not getting networked, and so there is, I think it's probably on YouTube, it's certainly been on TV Arc, if nothing else, uh, the announcement that, you know, this Thames program will not be seen tonight. But instead, here's the number one sitcom in the UK, <laughs> Duty Free. <laughs> Red vs. <was> Kyle. <laughs> and of course, uh. now to my knowledge, YTV never did a full-on uh, adaptation of A Christmas Carol. Uh, but they did make a Stars on Sunday special which contains a segment called The Glory of Dickens. Oh. I mean, they do seem like the sort of company who would try and give it a go. I'm surprised. Which is uh, basically... Do you know there was that uh, series a few years ago called Dickensian? 
which had mm. different Dickens characters all living in the same world. It's that, but all compressed up into about 20 minutes. Um, and so there's uh, Mr. Jingle from Pickwick and Micawber. Uh, Mr. Jingle's played by Gerald Harper. Micawber's played by Les Dawson. Um, Micawber's played by W.C. Fields, played by Les Dawson. Right. <laughs> and, you know, Barnaby Rogers there and David Copperfield is there. And David Copperfield is played by Gordon Honeycomb. Yes. Gordon Honeycomb. Yes. And Scrooge is played by John Laurie. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm on board there. Just, just, <laughs> hey, just like Mickey's Christmas Carol, we have a Scottish Scrooge, only a Scottish Scottish Scrooge, because of course Alan Young was born in North Shields. But his parents were Scottish, so, you know, I still find his accent a bit wobbly, particularly as it's also his accent's a bit wobbly in uh, The Time Machine. Golden Honeycomb, mate. Goodness yes. Me. And, and the Cratchits <laughs> are played by Melvin Hayes and Diane Coupland. I mean, this this is one of the best things to have ever happened to the human race. Ever, it's astonishing. And there's this—I haven't told you all. Just every sing, everywhere you look, there's uh, a face. Uh, Patrick Troughton is revisiting a part, and I forgot. It's um, the old curiosity shop. There's a character. There's an evil guy with dwarfism. And it was played in, I think, in the 1950s on the BBC uh, by Patrick Troughton, and he revisits the part. Um, <laughs> and they have to sort of shoot him, you know, kneeling down. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. So you can understand why, even only briefly glimpsing John Laurie's Scrooge, Mickey's Christmas Carol starts to... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Here's yeah. another thing, right? I, I, I imagine in 1983, 84... I really wouldn't have known who Peg Lake Pete was. So that revelation's a bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? How much. Is, uh, yeah, I mean, you, as you say, we're, we're kind of reliant of Disney time, really. You see, on the record, um, the Ghost of Christmas Past is Merlin from The Sword in the Stone. Uh, and it's Alan. Actually, you know, Alan Young plays Merlin. He also plays Tiny Tim. Uh, which. Outside of one-man shows, this must be the only production of A Christmas Carol in which Scrooge and Tiny Tim are played by the same actor. And and yet to come is uh, The Witch from Snow White. Uh, yes, okay, yes. Uh, which means, for the most part, I think she might actually... Yeah, she, no, she does end up delivering the, the, the line about the richest men in the cemetery. For the most part, they can, they can then get around because I mean, for for audio productions, there is always this problem of the Ghost of Christmas yet to come being mute. They get around that by having the Ghost of Christmas yet to come just constantly cackling. So it's like you know she's there. Uh, probably the only mm, let's see, I think that's the only female Ghost of Christmas yet to come I can think of. Um, but she's constantly going. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> which is now reminding me of um, Madame Mim, isn't it? Oh, just reminding me of a cartoon by uh, Michael Copperman, which is like you know, Tales from the Crypts. Like here's the Crypt Keeper, and she's going, <laughs> and then we cut to the gun. Oh God, she's stoned again. We have to get somebody else. <laughs> 
have you have you seen the Disney version of Wind in the Willows? Because if you have, I have questions, and if you haven't, what use are you? <laughs> um, I have been. I probably have watched it for a long time ago, so I I will be of sod all use. Okay, because I just noticed that the gentleman with the charitable appeal are played by Ratty and Mole. Uh, and Ratty seems kind of pompous, and you see, I'm more used to the, I'm more used to the stop motion, the um, Cosgrove Hall, yeah, Wind one, in the yeah. Willows, where Ratty's a bit more laid back. Yeah. Actually, at first, I thought it was, I thought Ratty was Basil the Great Mouse Detective, but uh, that's it's too early for that. It was in the UK, it was called Basil the Great Mouse Detective. In the US, it was just called The Great Mouse Detective. Uh, And that was because of executive interference. The working title of the film had been Basil of Baker Street all the way down. And then somehow it was like, no, we need to get, we need to make it clear to the audience what this is about. (laughs) Otherwise, I might get it. The Great Mouse Detective, and I believe there was a lot, a lot of consternation. Yeah, I can imagine. No, Basil Baker Street's much more appealing, isn't and it? So we got the the That's compromise the version in the UK. <laughs> he's a mouse, and he's a detective. A great. Now this is the thing: is like you know, he's as a detective. Well, he's a great mouse who is also a detective. I mean, is that's like you know that he's. <laughs> Uh, he is supreme amongst Rod. As a detective, he's kind of mediocre. He's like Paul Temple. Uh, that seems like a huge mouse. slam on Paul Temple. But I've seen I've seen a few I've seen at least two episodes of Paul Temple where at the end Paul Temple just shrugs his. I don't know what the hell was going on. The end. What? I was watching one with a friend and saying it'd be funny if it ended there. Oh my god, those are the end credits. It did end there. <laughs> uh. Yes, we've noticed sometimes with a lot of with older stuff that suddenly it's like, oh, 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 we're over. It's over. Oh, I'm used to them sort of ending without really telling you. It, it's it's you know it's it's where do you have your ending? Do you have it? Do you go all the way up to the end and show people the consequence of the actions, or do you go all the way up to the end saying, right, the consequences will come, or do you have your end even earlier that saying? It looks like the consequences will come. Hmm. I remember as a child, the gentle touch seemed to always end ten minutes earlier than I would have had it end. <laughs> um, I'm used to it. Um, certain older programs going on sometimes a bit too long. I mean, uh, Randall and Hopkirk when we watched it, we're like, okay, but yeah, you could have cut, could have cut a good twenty minutes out of this, couldn't you? And. <laughs> And then you start seeing the same, the same sets or the same locations being used over and over, and it's like, well, hang on, you're only there last week. What is it now? Given how export focused those things were, I, I imagine they probably did come with. By the way, if you want to put in an extra ad break, you can cut this scene out. Yes, quite possibly. Yeah. It's it's interesting that in the '60s, prestige stuff seems to be shot in the studio. And you throw away stuff is shot on film. Yes, it is interesting uh, this, the, how, the fortunes of the studio really over the years. But I guess with the studio, you you have to spend the money. 
are on that new equipment, whereas film cameras were a little bit more portable, I guess. And you were doing the dubbing later on. And also, it's 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 ITC that have the money to sort of pump out the film series. And so it's their ethos that kind of dominates. It'd be interesting. I mean, ABC, of course, made The Avengers, which is kind of that sort of churned out. But then they also made The Human Jungle, which is very much not a churned out action series. It would have been interesting if they'd been allowed to continue as just themselves. But then again, that uh, that's that's Thames Houston films. Be interesting to know where that urge came from to suddenly start making raw sixteen millimeter on the nose kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm immensely fond of it. But yes, it's an interesting interesting concept of where it really came from. There isn't a Christmas Randall and Hopkirk, is there? Because I mean, it's, it's you know, guy visiting his old partner. As a ghost. <laughs> Might be a bit of a downer, I suppose. But <laughs> a Christmas scrunter on what, what what is Jeff Randall doing wrong that he needs Marty to bring the forces of the Netherworld? <laughs> is it just the drinking of all that urine coloured whiskey that he knocks back? And there's a lot of plot contrivance to make Marty useful. I think we we found <laughs> just like well we've got to find something for him to do so let's think of this this will happen oh he'll he'll be useful in in a way that isn't quite that well defined sometimes and in some some episodes he can't be useful because he knows what's going on but he can't do anything about it. <laughs> so <he's just> sort of <laughs> Yes, it's uh, it's certainly fun to watch, but oh my goodness, yeah, some of them was <laughs> looked at each other at the end and go, mm, yeah, that didn't really stand up, did it? <laughs> I think uh, one of my favourite uh, times that my wife had something to say about something we watched was we watched an episode of the Chinese Detective, and as it end, ended, my wife turned to me and said, that was a waste of Darren Nesbitt. <laughs> Oh, what a phrase. I like that. No, I'm going to have to try and watch something in order to use that phrase. What a one. I love that. I love it. <laughs> Wait, you just got to watch that Chinese detective. and. Uh... Well, true, but yes. Yeah, so... <laughs> Race to Darren. Oh, lovely. Oh, I love that. I do love in the Chinese detective, they try and, you know, like, uh, do a switcheroo on the whole uh, racial stereotype thing. So he's always saying he's Cockney. Uh, and he's always saying his Cockney in a Scouse accent. <laughs> you know what? I think I think we're done here with because because it's uh, um it's been thirty years since we mentioned Mickey's Christmas Carol, and you don't have any other versions of the story you wish to highlight. I presume. No, no. Yes, <laughs> as I, as I said, it's um. Yeah, I've I've been really um really not very curious at all about Christmas Carol and the various adaptations of <laughs> I think we've got well, I think we've got some stuff said today though. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Is is there anything you'd like to flag up as a project that you're involved in that you want to point people to? Um I'm not involved in anything specifically um i would like to plug my partner site dirty feed because 
oh, he yes. does an awful lot of work. An awful lot of hard work, and it deserves to be read by people. Uh, I mean, even if you're not that interesting, I mean, he's he's had people say it to him. He said, "I'm not interested in this, but you've made it really interesting." And he does have a gift for that. So, um, honestly, if you you know, even if you're not interested in telly, I would still read it, um, just out of admiration for one man's work. One thing the internet loves is is sort of mysteries, little things that fall in between the cracks of pop culture. There was that one that was going around, I don't know if you heard it, there was a, a podcast going around about a guy who had very specific memories of a 90s pop song and couldn't find any evidence that existed. <laughs> oh, interesting. And Dirt, okay. Dirty Feed is, is like chasing down little sort of mysteries, like if... Like the original theme tune to 2.4 Children. I'm not interested in 2.4 Children. I ate up that article. Yeah. Um, yeah, things like that. Um, that it's, it's just full of little mysteries. It's full of what happened to this and what was this and what was that and, and what did that and what came from that and just throw away any kind of throw away comment from someone involved in television or comedy. Um, you know, uh, John will latch onto it and find something out such as john cleese talking about how faulty towers the sort of genesis of it was in doctor and doctor on the go one of those doctor series uh and it came from a particular episode and he goes and, and there's it's a free there's a free part special on really that and i don't think there's a wasted word in any of it and it's it's just something that now commands our attention in an age when we can just Google things, and so much is on YouTube. Actual mysteries are to be prized, and you, there are still certain things where you'll have to go above and beyond. Oh, absolutely, and he specialises in that. Yes, yes, I I also I endorse Dirty Feed as well, and that <laughs> is at. Um. Yes, it's uh, dirtyfeed.org, I believe. Tanya, thank you for being on the show. It's absolute pleasure. Thank you. And I will see the rest of you uh, next time. I, I don't know who's going to be on next time. But uh, happy Christmas. And we'll be back soon with the 12 months of Christmas. Have a very merry time. <laughs>